Quiet on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. Studios of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, that cuckoo clock feeling. Singer, writer, pornographer, Nico Case is with us. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder and the lead instructor of the Modern School of Film with you on Murmur Radio. The website is murmurradio.com. Social handles at MSF Murmur. That's Twitter, Instagram. You can download the show anytime access via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. If you have a topic you would like me to tackle on the show, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. That's M-U-R-M-U-R, radio, one word, at gmail.com. Send me the topic and I will match it with a guest and I will give you full credit. And I'd love to bring you into the episode to assess with me, to autopsy with me, to CSI me. So I will CSI you there at my email, murmurradio at gmail.com. The puns should stop now. Welcome to Murmur. Today on the show, we welcome in Nico Case. Nico is someone coming back to me in a sense that uh, the last time I spoke to Nico, no, was not Detroit in 68, uh, was <laughs> Joni Mitchell, was um, Durham, North Carolina. A couple of years ago, she and I got together and did some movie talk. I had asked her to pick a movie she loves in response to, and she picked Repo Man. And it was it was really cool. It was her and I chatting, and Michael Nesmith, one of the executive producers, was there. I invited him, so it was sort of super cool. I love Nico. I love her music. I think she, I think her voice, as trite as it sounds, is one of the great singing voices. And voices like actors and acting, very taste based. But I think Nico, to me, is is in this very rare part of of the graph of sound makers, of vocalists, uh, but she's also a great writer. I think we get caught up in how great her sound is that we forget how poetic her writing is. Her album, Hell On, which is her seventh solo, Where Does the Time Go, um, is incredible. And I want to dissect it, and we could really dissect all her work within today's topic, uh, which we'll tackle with uh, Professor Case, today's topic being harmony. 
we tackle the small topics here. <laughs> but, so we're going to split harmony into two forms with Nico. Form one is vocal and oral and sonic harmony. Nico is doing it in ways on her records that is really deceptive and it sort of toes and borders and blurs the line between music as duet, music as chorus, music as vibration. But the larger umbrella we can hook all that underneath is harmony. A few months ago, a student of mine and I were chatting, former student, really great student, and I asked her not to fish for the answer, but I asked her, what what do you think I do? <laughs> you know, what's my job? What's my profession? And it was really me asking her for ref- reflection. And she said very quickly, very innocently, very honestly, she said, you make things into other things. And I thought that was a really interesting way of not only putting what I do, and that may or may not be accurate. It's a statement that stuck with me since she said it. When I think of Nico and I think of Harmony, Where do I start with Nico? Nico is a curator, maybe. Maybe that's what she is. But her albums sonically tend to enlist multiple, maybe usual suspects as collaborators and other voices, backup voices, backup singers. But they also blur in terms of the engineering and the producing and the decision making what harmony is, what harmony sounds like. I think harmony, why it's so deceptive and why if you really listen to music throughout the canon of any decade of music, you'd be surprised how much is harmony. Harmony being parts, harmony being disparate sonic parts or disparate note-based parts that woven together sound perfect. And it is hard sometimes to the naked ear or the untrained ear or even the trained ear to decipher where is a harmony line, where is a melody line. But harmony meaning intertwining sound, intertwining art, intertwining things. And Nico intertwines. You know, it's, it's funny, I can't find this right noun for her. You know, collagist, uh, curator. When I say curator, I was going to say mosaicist. That's not that sounds like an anarchist. So maybe it is a kind of form of artistic anarchy. One of my favorite quotes is Sidney Lumet, the filmmaker, the great esteemed filmmaker, talking about filmmaking. Filmmaking is a process of mosaic making. You shine tiles. You put those shiny tiles adjacent to one another. You step back and you have a full painting. Music is not really that way because sound really overlaps and if you listen to Nico's work she doubles voices in really beautiful really precise really myopic but really global really wide-reaching and wide-thinking ways so when I think of harmony I think Nico may not even believe she's the a keynote speaker to that idea or keynote teacher here at the modern school of films murmur uh, but she is because she does it maybe without touching it so precisely and those are the best guests who kind of know what they do and kind of don't know what they do but if you listen to nico's record hell on there is this kind of synergistic blurring of what is a duet what are two voices singing almost like a scene study ethos we had torquil campbell of stars talking about stars is almost an exploration of scene study vocal scene study and Nico's work traditionally, and it's not just Hell On, it's dating back to the Corn Sisters. The Corn Sisters 1998 was something Nico did with Caroline Mark. And if you hear her version or their version of This Little Light of Mine, again, it's duet-ish, it's, it's harmony-ish, it's synchronized, it's asynchronous harmony. So harmony takes on a lot of variables sonically, you know, and there are challenges to harmony. You know, what voices are chosen? Does the lead vocal double? You know, we're, we're in this world of double sound and double vocal across all genres of 
of music, from independent music to popular music, and artists doubling their own voice, artists, you know, auto-tuning, you know. So this idea of harmony is stretching out before our eyes. So I want to capture some of it in a jar today with Nico Case. I was listening to two of her more recent songs, uh, Curse of the I-5 Corridor, which she sings, again, with and without Mark Lanigan of Screaming Trees. Mark is an incredible, powerful vocalist, but there's something about the alchemy of when Nico chooses whether it's collaborators or moments of harmony, that it's not about Mark and it's not about Nico. It's about this third thing. And that's what I want to talk to Nico about today, this third thing. A song I've been recently obsessed with of hers is Sleep All Summer, which is written by Eric Bachman. Eric is uh, the lead brain on Crooked Fingers. Crooked Fingers, well, Eric was Nico's guitar player, tour guitar player, then started Crooked Fingers. Crooked Fingers was a band that Nico joined in with as well. So there's all sorts of Wikipedia fetishistic ideas in there. But the, the song Sleep All Summer, again, it's it's part duet, it's part harmony, and what it does is it eviscerates the persona in such a way that the song becomes a mechanism of delivery. You know, listening even to the Beatles, if you listen to the Beatles harmonies, we don't think often of the Beatles as harmonizers, but they do in so many of their songs, and it almost, it becomes an interesting science to decipher who's singing, whether it's Paul or John or George, never Ringo, thankfully, but, or no, Ringo did sing solo. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure he harmonized as well. Anyway, l- let me stop bashing Ringo Starr. Uh, it, it, it almost democratizes the sound to its, you know, the sum is is equal to the parts, or the parts together create this mushroom cloud of sum. And that's what harmony does in a very special way, and that's something Nico does. Nico also has a lot of usual suspect collaborators. She's in the New Pornographers. The New Pornographers is, again, it's a band that retrofits in, retrofits out members. Uh, but again, it's the sort of chorality. It's the the wide tapestry of voices. It's the mosaic. It is Sidney Lumet's mosaic on an oral level, on a sound-based level. Something Nico also did in 2016, which I thought was really interesting. It was a supergroup. That's a great word. We don't use it as much. It was a supergroup with Katie Lang and Laura Vares called Case Lang Vares. Amazing record, Case Lang Vares. Katie Lang said she kind of was hoping to form almost a traveling Willowberries thing for women. And this incredible record that the three ladies authored, it's a real hidden jewel of the last five or 10 years. I encourage you all to listen to it. But again, that made me think of the traveling Willowberries. And when it's all those sounds, it's not just Jeff Lynne. It's not just Roy Orbison. It's not just Tom Petty. Yeah, we hear those moments. It's not just George Harrison. We hear those moments. We hear that articulation. But when those men sing together or the women sing together, it's bigger than. Nico takes it into an interesting container, though. If you've seen her live, you know, I was thinking of one of her constant collaborators, co-conspirators, is Kelly Hogan, who is an incredible singer in her own right. I know she's sung with our buddy Sam Beam as well, but on stage, it's it's sort of like they author this call and response with vocal work. Maybe they're not always doing the same vocal work on the record, but live, Kelly's been a really interesting, I don't want to say supporting character, but again, I do think this idea of vocal harmony and acting harmony has a kind of silhouette that we can trace, that we can trace around, that we can kind of slide into one another, and there's interesting moments of inflection. The other thing I want to talk talk about with Nico today is harmony on a different level, the social science level, but also the artistic level. There is a wisdom, and it may be a fallacy, and it may be just a bad idea or a bad, it may be a deceptive rabbit hole to fall down, but I do want to talk to Nico about the wisdom or lack thereof or in 
harmony being a signature of people getting along, A, you know, the implicit in voices singing together is that they're getting along. Well, that's intellectually foolish. But is there an advantage and disadvantage to either getting along while you harmonize with your harmonizer or not getting along? There's also the idea, the social science of it, that out of great harmony comes less great work, whether it's culturally, geographically, as a nation, whether it's invention, whether it's art, whether it's thought, uh, whatever it is, whether it's import, export, does harmony work against the rigor and the entropy that great art does contain? I don't think it does. I think it's a fun thought to follow when you're young because it seems really interesting and it's liberating. But I also think it's something that has, it's given license to a lot of bad behavior, Artists can slide off the human scale of propriety, but they're still artists, so let them do it. And this isn't about regulating behavior. It's what happens when things are in balance and in harmony to people, to artists, to collaborators. I was recently in Vienna doing a workshop, a Modern School Film Day for Night workshop, uh, modernschoolfilm.com, everybody. Uh, And this is, before we bring in Nico, this is not a drill and it's not a fiction. I was in Vienna, and it was a day off. It was, it was like a Saturday off, and it was raining. And I literally had no umbrella and ducked into a nearby building. And the nearby building, friends, listeners of Murmur, was a movie theater. And what was playing at the movie theater in Vienna, of course, The Third Man. <laughs> the definitive Vienna as backdrop masterpiece of cinema directed by Carol Reed, written by Graham Greene, starring Joe Cotton and a guy named Orson Welles. And I was thinking about that great scene late, uh, mid to late, kind of 60% into the movie when they're on a Ferris wheel. And Welles gives that speech about, which is kind of this idea of what we're talking about, does harmony, or part of what we want to talk to Nico about, does harmony lead to invention? Does harmony lead to lethargy? You know, what are the trapdoors of harmony? Should we aspire to harmony? But it, it did remind me, you know, leading up to this talk and seeing the third man again in Vienna, which was really cool. It's like seeing, you know, Manhattan in Manhattan. Uh, it's like, you know, death of Venice in Venice, right? So it was a wonderful reminiscence, and seeing Wells on screen again is never a bad thing. But you know that monologue? Do you know that monologue I'm talking about? Come on, you know that monologue. <laughs> the, oh, I almost gave it away. Okay, yeah, you know, due to the power of digitalia in this day and age, before we welcome in Nico, Nico Case today on Murmur, uh, harmony of an artistic nature, of a non-artistic nature, of a vocal nature, of a written nature or unwritten nature, Nico Case today. Today on Murmur, first this. <laughs> what fools we are not talking to each other this way, as though I'd do anything to you. Or you to me. You're just a little mixed up about things in general. Nobody thinks in terms of human beings. Governments don't. Why should we? They talk about the people and the proletariat. I talk about the suckers and the mugs. It's the same thing. They have their five-year plans. <laughs> so have I. You used to believe in God. Well, I still do believe in God only. I believe in God and mercy and all that, but the dead are happier dead. They don't miss much here, poor devils. What do you believe in? Oh, if you ever get Anna out of this mess, be kind to her. You'll find she's worth it. I wish I'd asked you to bring me some of these tablets from home. Holly. I'd like to cut you in, old man. 
Nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've always done everything together. When you make up your mind, send me a message. I'll meet you any place, any time. And when we do meet, old man, it's you I want to see. Not the police. Remember that, won't you? <laughs> Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. But what the fellow said, in Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled child? The only place you thought to go Am I the only man you ever had Or am I just the last surviving friend never play favorites here on Murmur, but today we're going to make an exception because we have an exceptional topic and an exceptional guest at our disposal. The exceptional topic is harmony, sonic harmony, vocal harmony, dare we say even uh, social harmony. Burying the lead with today's guest's work are all the really cool things she always does in her work with other voices. And she has a pretty bitchin' voice as well. She is a curator, a performer, a collagist, a musician, 
a drummer, or maybe a recovering drummer. She's an honorary Canadian. She is both art history and art historian. Please welcome back to the Modern School of Film to talk about harmony in all forms, Professor Nico Case. How are you, Professor Case? <laughs> Hi, this is Nico. <laughs> hey, Nico. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I brought you an apple, but I ate it uh, because we were running a little late. You know what? It's good for you. <laughs> I, I approve. Awesome. I'm sorry I'm a second late. I keep forgetting about the whole call-in thing. I'm not used to it. I'm like, huh, they haven't called yet? Oh, right. Do you like talking on the phone in general? always curious about phone talking. I don't love talking on the phone, but I like it better than a lot of other things. <laughs> it's better than a kick in the like groin? Like back and forth texting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for talking to me. Always a thousand things I think about when I think about your work, but I do want to talk about harmony a little bit, not to get too granular, but I, I like doing this sort of granular stuff. Talk a little bit about this idea of harmony. Do you ever think of that word when you think of how you record and how you work? You used a great word, collage, and I think it's like vocal collage. The collage kind of happens in the beginning and then in the end where, you know, you have your elements. Like, I always have ideas and little snippets laid around all over the place. You know, I'll have like 30 seconds of an idea or, you know, just little things laying around. And I'll go back and forth between them for hours at a time wondering, hmm, I wonder if that could go with this song or this could go with this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the end, it's all about editing, which mm. is essentially making a collage by taking things away. So it's a, it's a lot. But, I mean, people ask me to describe my uh, process a lot, and that's the one word that seems to really nail it, really. It's a great word, and it's a great thought, this idea of editing. And editing doesn't always mean taking away. It can mean adding. You know, editing is not just being the bad cop. It's kind of being the good cop, too. So I, mm -hmm. I like the fact that you frame it up that way. Did any of those sounds appeal to you, those sort of classic harmonies like, you know, Mama's Papa's or Crosby, Stills, Nash Young, or even like the Beatles? I mean, people underestimate how much harmonizing the Beatles did in their records. Are, were you ever drawn to that sound, just that idea of multiple voices? I never understood what I was hearing. I didn't know what <laughs> harmony was until I was in my mid-twenties, like, I honestly thought harmony was unison singing. I had no concept. But, you know, looking back, I know I always loved that sound. And the Beatles, I completely took for granted because I suffered huge Beatles abuse at the hands of my parents where I can't, like, I know they're great logically, and I know they've influenced me and sunk in, but, like, I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> I know it's good, and I like it, but I can't listen to it anymore. So I was kind of more interested in the harmonies Later, the ones that really made me want to look after it were the harmonies where there were drones and where there were like uh, harmonies for the sake of making a larger vibration hmm. that would be in longer notes, like in gospel music, for example. That's interesting. But I was always a huge fan of like the strange sounds that like the Everly Brothers would make in their later recordings. Kind of just the the weirder harmonies, the better. But I do love beautiful, traditional, like pop music sounding harmonies, but I'm more attracted to the strange ones. This just in, Nico Case hates the Beatles. I'm going online with that today. I'm just teasing. abused by the Beatles. Oh, okay. It's well, not their fault. <laughs> Nico Case was abused by John Lennon. Now that's news. That really is news. I the just think there's other yeah. And people go straight to the Beatles, and I'm like, yeah, they're the great, but there's so much music out there. Yeah. There's more than one story. It's like Star Trek. I don't want to talk about Star Trek ever again. Oh, but you will. 
I know you're a cosplayer at heart. I, not Who be, isn't? <laughs> I, I want to talk about another word you may or may not be sick of, which is Americana, when it's pushed towards you. And I only mention that because, you know, as we look at harmony, you know, and again, this is not the yardstick for anything, but I was listening to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack today and listening to like I'll Fly Away and the Pearsall Sisters, you know, and what about, and you, as you say, choral, what, what is it about those long kind of almost droning choralities of sound that you dig? And do you try to go for that? Or do you just, are you just a fan of that kind of stuff? I'm not going for pretty necessarily. There are moments that are pretty, but um, I feel more Eastern European in my harmony wishes than Americana at all. Hmm. I, I'm interested in humans uh, kind of at their instinct level, you know, not like tatting lace, but making big sounds to warn or attract other humans. Hmm. Or it's just, it's just a natural skill humans have. Like, you know how cicadas can make that noise. Oh God. Yeah. And they're conveying a message to other cicadas. Human beings have this cool thing when they link on to one another with harmony singing, where they can, two people can make a third element that creates this incredibly strange and really moving element that you, you kind of can't ignore, or at least I can't ignore it. And um, if you listen to things like Bulgarian folk singing, especially when there's large groups of people, there it's like it's more like a murmuration of things moving together than it is something somebody trying to like make art. It's it's more uh, I don't know. It just sounds more like it's happening in nature to me. Pardon my French, but your song Marais la, la Nuit is gorgeous in that way. You know, that jumped into my mind when you talk well, about... Well, those are frogs, you know. No, I, I understand. I thought, oh, it might be like Daryl Newdorf and I were sitting there and I was like, how much time can you put on a CD? And he's like, this many minutes. And I'm like, well, we have 13 some odd minutes left. Let's give people something nice to listen to. Well, well, uh, fill up the whole thing. So. <laughs> that was my point. And less the, the uh, mutual of Omaha of it all, but more that I love that piece in that track. I love how it kind of gets back to nature. Maybe I'm over-intellectualizing it. What about something, this is a weird comparison, and it's not to name names, but what's about something like uh, Polyphonic Spree or Fleet Foxes or Spiritualized? I, you know, I hate to reference any one group, but is that group thing interesting? Or again, do you feel it's kind of like a little goes a long um, way? Well, I, I've never been in those bands, so I don't, I don't know. I've we're in the new pornographers and we harmonize all the time. Yeah. But we also sing in unison as well. Like we're not just in the one thing and we don't want to do the same thing all the time. Yeah. Um, it's it's awesome when we go on tour. So we do get to sing certain harmony parts a lot, which 
you know, are very rewarding, but... You'd mentioned not too long ago that pornographers had made you a big chorus addict. I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it. And I, I was wondering, to look at this as anthropology, you talked about not wanting to be alone on stage. You said, I like being in a gang. Is that a cool part of that that idea of singing, you know, harmonically in harmonies? Is it that group feel? Is that kind of a, still a warm and cozy inspiration for you? Is that part of it as well? It is. I mean, I... I, I get that feeling um, that I basically said because I don't ever want to play solo with a guitar on stage. Like, I never got in a band to be by myself. Right. I got in a band because I wanted to be with other people and play music. And there's nothing more boring to me than the idea of me on stage with a guitar by myself. <laughs> they call it a band for a reason. I mean, band is a plural they do. concept. Those smart, they do, and that's what I like doing. Those smart bastards. We're speaking with Nico Case. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about something I don't think people get to see or hear or listen to is, is in a way, picking har- harmony collaborators. That's a weird way of putting it. But I want to look at that process just to, to kind of demystify it a little bit. And I was thinking of it like, you know, in terms of casting, how do you choose vocal collaborators? I mean, you have so many amazing friends and constant contributors, but how does a song, The Curse of the I-5, corridor come together with Mark Lanigan like how does how do you ask him does he like how does that work in terms of getting him to work with you and you working with him you know it's an idea that I had Uh, the song didn't start out with him but it became obvious to me later that you know the song about a place where he and I both grew up and he understood as well as I understand it in the same time you know in the same place and it just, it just meant a lot. Like the idea of him singing on it meant a lot to me. So, you know, my manager reached out to him, and you know, he we ended up emailing each other, and and it, it worked out so nice. It was really great that he was able to do it, and he did a really beautiful job. Waited too long to write this down. The startling sensation is fading. The sweet, sweet burn of the first drink of the night underage Knowing that you're gonna get away with it You were a good man before you knew it And I'm not vain enough to think that I'd have been good for you if I'd stayed In the current of your life I was an eyelash in the shipping lanes And now I'm so scared about mystery I fear I smell extinction in the folds of this Novocaine age coming on I miss the smell of mystery Reverb leaking out of tavern doors And not knowing how the sounds were made I left home and faked my ID I fucked every man that I wanted to be I was so stupid then Why should mystery give its life to me? Baby, I'm afraid But it's not your fault Maybe I should go Home alone tonight 
it's an extraordinary song, and I was listening to it today and thinking, you know, the precision of the moments of harmony. When is that decided? You know, what lines are what 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 vocals are sung in harmony? Uh, what isn't sung? Like I can only make the metaphor to acting. You know, working with an actor, almost like a scene study. Uh, we had Torquil Campbell on the show from Stars, and he was talking about the scene study elements of working in Stars. When you work with someone on a vocal track, do you give notes? Do they give notes, or is it just kind of you do your art, I'll do my art, and we'll put it together kind of thing? Well, he had to do it remotely because mm-hmm. his schedule didn't allow for him come to Sweden and, you know, frankly, that's a bit of a relief because going to Sweden is incredibly expensive. So I sent him notes and I had finished my vocals by that point. And so he sang, I said, you can sing unison, you can sing harmony. Um, so I didn't ask him to sing on enough of the song. So I got back what he did and he had done such a beautiful job on not enough of the song, I thought. <laughs> but it's because I was too shy. Like, yeah. I didn't... So I had to swallow, swallow it and, like, email him back and go, hi, yeah, I grossly uh, underestimated um, <laughs> you and I was too shy to ask you to do more. Could you sing on the rest of it, too? Because you make it so much more awesome. And he was kind kind enough to go back. Well, that's a funny thing. That's so much like being a filmmaker and asking almost an actor to do ADR or, you know, we need this extra bit. It's it's really cool that you frame it up that way. What about, you know, when you've never worked with someone and you want to work with them on a vocal thing? I, I mean, the amazing song, uh, Winnie, which where Beth Ditto is in the song, but that's more like she's playing a role. But let's talk about that for a second. Working with Beth and how, what's the chicken or egg there? Was it similar to the courtship of working with Mark? Was it different? And, you know, is the vocabulary different when you work on a vocal track like that with Beth? No, um, I pretty much had what I wanted her to sing. I had already sung it and I just said, hey, can you sing that? Yeah. You're perfect to be that person. And, you know, I had duets with men on the record and I wanted, you know, a duet with a woman on the record too. And this one is more like a story where she brings cancer to life more rather than a duet. Right, right. Because I thought she really embodied that, you know, feeling of joy. She's such a joyful singer with such a huge, powerful voice. And I thought, ah, that would be so much better than me singing Oh, we're talking with Nico Case. I was thinking Emmy Lou Harris this morning. I think about her almost every morning, but today I was thinking about, you know, d- does she does she have like a bat signal? If you need her to do a vocal track on your record, you just shoot it up in, na- in the air and she'll go. And I always say that because I wonder, can a harmony line distract from a song? You know, when you when you connect with a voice to do harmony, are you worried you know, we have this term in movies like stunt casting. You know what I'm saying? Where it becomes too distracting. Do you think about that? Do you think about the the resume of the person? Or is that just bullshit for the rest of uh, us to deal with? I think that's for everybody else to deal with. If somebody is a great singer and I think they'll do a good job, I'll ask them. Um, obviously, some people can't. But, you know, Katie Lane did some backing vocals on the song. And you can tell it's her and you're like, oh, shit, that's Katie. Yeah. She's an awesome force. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, Katie, can you basically be like a pop music 
dude backing vocal on this and she was like yes <laughs> <laughs> she was excited and like fucking phenomenal job she did exactly what needed to be done and you know there's places where like i mute words now and again for anyone who sings backing vocals but it's all about the balance yeah. So I don't think somebody with a powerful voice would distract. Like I think it's fun, you know, Adam Duritz singing background on Sixth Avenue Heartache. I think it adds a really cool level, you know, of it. But again, sound is sound. You know, sound is agnostic. You know, we read all this other shit into it. But, oh, by the way, as you know, Katie Lang, another proud Canadian, Edmonton native. You know, I said I didn't play favorites, but I'm going to play one more favorite with you today. My favorite collaborator of yours is Kelly Hogan. I, you know, I think she's one of a kind. I think she's a force of nature. And you, you called her the Zelig of rock and roll, which I think is right on. Um, talk a little bit about how you all work together because it's also, folks need to see you both on stage because the way you work on stage is really fascinating as well. Reflect a little bit on how you all work together. Is it like scene study to any extent? Is there dialogue or is it just all beyond speech and instinct when you guys harmonize or when you work on a song together. I'll give her some ideas or like a note for here or there, but I don't usually tell her specifics unless I'm like, can you double this part or that part? Mm. And, you know, she and Nora work really well together. So, you know, I sent them some stuff and they would set it on some stuff together and came up with some good girl group parts. And then I would sing on those later too, but it was mostly remotely on this record. I don't think we got to do anything in the studio together on this one. What are the limitations of that? You know, just looking at it uh, structurally, when you don't have that person with you, is there an advantage in terms of focus and purity? Not purity, personal purity, like sonic purity. Is there something to be gained and something to be lost when you're not together working in harmony? We're all over the place. So in our case, it's not really a problem. You know, because not everybody is available to do an entire record all the time. I mean, Kelly is a very busy person, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do your collaborators ever ask you about what the song is about? You know, like, what is the story or where does this come from? Or do they respect, because when you're working with other artists... Strangely, no. It's no, they don't really. I don't. I never ask Corey and the their songs about the new pornographers either. I never really know about it. Would you ever? Would you ever ask... Does, uh, that, does that help your... Yeah, per- but... Yeah. I don't know. I kind of enjoy. I kind of enjoy the mystery. I think there's a couple I know what they mean because I heard them say what they mean. But you know, other than that, I, I don't really know. But 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 the songs elicit emotion. I mean, you, you know, you can't. I mean, you know, baby, I'm afraid, but it's not my fault. I mean, like that. You sing it, yeah. I mean, you got your craftspeople. I I understand that, but how do you divorce the emotion from the harmony? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you stick to the notes and the clinical nature of the mission? And maybe, as you say, not knowing the backstory helps keep the emotion out of it, right? Well, I mean, the person is reacting to the lyrics, too. Like, I'm not asking them what they think it means, but I'm sure they have their opinions as it goes. Right. And, you know, if it if it didn't work, I wouldn't use it, but... You know, I generally, I ask people who do good jobs. (laughs) It makes it a lot easier. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. You you, ask people who are really talented to do stuff, and and hopefully they'll say yes, and then it works out. Oh, John the Baptist, oh, John divine, let the hardest round his life. His meat was locust. 
You're the Robert Altman of music. You know, that was Altman's thing. He said, I, I don't give a shit what actors do. Just show up and I'll film you and you do whatever you want. And it's, it's, it, that was his kind of laissez-faire. It's not, it's not laissez-faire. It's a respect. To me, it's a deep respect. Uh, in, in our last beat today with Nico Case, who's generously been with us uh, today here on Murmur, I was thinking about something you said around the time of the worse things get, the harder I fight, the harder I fight, the more I love you. And th- there was a lot of, it seemed like, upheaval in your life. And one thing that kind of maybe f- made you feel a little re- more reconnected, these are my words, not yours, was getting on Twitter, which I thought was interesting, or like talking to your fans on Twitter. And I was thinking that in terms of harmony. I'd never heard anyone say that, that Twitter can be a kind of peanut butter of harmony in a strange way if used correctly what do you think about that i mean have you found speaking to fans and speaking in in social media to be convalescing for you has it helped you know patch some moments together for you sometimes you're making music for a a large group of people that you don't you know you have an idea but like you don't know who they are and i used to sell my own merch and i had to stop doing it but because i would lose my voice from talking to people because oh, you wow. have to talk over people and talk really loud. <laughs> so I don't really do autograph sessions or sell my own merch anymore because I, I lose, I would lose my voice, but I really enjoyed talking to people after the show. And I really enjoyed talking about stuff that had nothing to do with me. I wanted to know what they were into, like what kind of chickens they raised or like where the good macaroni and cheese store was, or I don't know, just little things. I don't know. I, I find them interesting and I like them. And I really, you know, I I care about them. I want to know what they're up to. And, you know, you don't get to know everyone, obviously, but it's nice to just check in with people and get a cross-section of what's going on. The The humanity of liking a dog photo. (laughs) Wait a second. Say that one more time. The the humanity of liking a dog photo? Yeah. I'm just going, ah, that's cute. (laughs) With a virtual stranger. It's nice. It's a nice feeling. Nice feelings. Here's a weird irony to leave on. There's this common wisdom that harmony leads to shitty art, you know, sort of social, personal harmony. We could take it in parts. You know, a lot of times cultural harmony has led to fallow art production. I think sometimes the U.S. takes a beat. Mm, a beat. I think that's a myth. Yeah, I, I want you to bust it up. I mean, because there's that. Yeah, that's not that's not true at all. People just want to believe that because they need a backstory for something to be good, which I, I don't know why they need that, but they do. It's a bit um, upsetting sometimes. That whole mythology of artists thriving in times of in bad times is not it's not okay. Sometimes maybe it makes people feel a little freer when they're pushed to the edge of their humanity, but that's cruel. What about fear and that they have nothing left to lose, you know, and that's not okay. And, you know, if we're sitting around thinking that's really great, that's really fucked up. No, I, I, I would never push for this, that disposition. 
And, but there's the personal side too, you know, and I think film and music are different. You know, during times of war, war movies do really poorly. I guess my point is film in a weird way has an image that it thinks it needs to protect. But what about music? You know, the deeper the deeper misconception is that when when someone's depressed, they'll create something better than when they're not. What do you think about that? Uh, no, I don't think that at all. When I'm depressed, I don't, there's, there's not a lot of joy there. So I'm working because I'm working, but mm-hmm. sometimes good things pop through, but pretty much no. Yeah. Like I would say a hundred percent not true. There are people who do it, but like, it's not a universal across the board thing. Do you strive towards your own balance and your own harmony? Is that your ethos? Like, do you feel like that's where your art works best when you're on balance, when you're on, on... Oh yeah. Balance is like the greatest thing ever, especially when it's in every part of your life. I mean, there's no such thing as reaching a balance. You can kind of like be spinning the plates at a balance for a while, but you're going to fall off from one side to another all the time with varying degrees of swerve. But no, being being balanced is much better or being at a decently balanced place. I tell my students all movies are documentaries. Do you think all your records are documentaries of a kind? Mm, No. I mean, I'm in some things, but... I like to tell stories. Mm. I like I like the idea that mythology isn't dead and that we can make new myths and new folklore now. Because yeah. without it, culture culture's a little flat. Yeah, I think we have to retill that soil. I think you're right. We're creating a vacuum behind us. One question and then a goodbye. The question is, you know, I, I tell my film students that if only people who got along made movies, then there would be no movies ever made, ever. And I was thinking about that in terms, mm-hmm. of, in terms of harmony, because harmony to me sounds like perfection. I remember when I was listening to Crosby, Stills, and Nash and thinking, oh, those guys must really get along. They're in harmony. Do you feel like in harmonizing, is, is that more clinical or does other emotional value come into it? You don't have to get along with someone to harmonize with them, but I like it better when I do. Harmony is vibration and harmony is listening. Harmony is practice. And I, I enjoy the vibration of it and love the raw feeling of more than one human making an extra element. But no, you don't have to get along with people to harmonize. Some people could be the two greatest singers ever and be best friends and not be able to harmonize with each other very well. The vibrations clash or there's just an endless amount of variables. To wit, can the opposite be true? I was thinking of a really bad relationship I was in this morning. Not that I was in it this morning, but this morning I was thinking about it. And we had a lot of rocky patches, but when we got together to sing in spite of ourselves together, like on a road trip, those were like the best fucking times. I mean, can it? Can that vibration heal? Can that vibration of harmony glue things back together as we say goodbye? Can it do that? No. Damn it. That's about your intention, not vibration. Hmm. If, 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 you, if you show up, then that's your intention. But no. I think humans need vibration. We are vibration, but no, you have to have intention. Things don't happen for you. They don't show up for you. You show up for them, and then you go from there. Yes, that's really... Vibration isn't enough substance, let alone in a relationship. As a person, you need to set an intention, drawing uh-huh. that out. Mm, I was afraid of that. Yeah, you have to be honest. Well, that I can be. And know your strength. Know, know your strength? And your weaknesses, yeah. 
not too long ago, you said uh, you may write a memoir someday or you're thinking about it. You've already done that. You do that all the time. Do you, real, do you realize that? <laughs> you, know, you are a memoirist. Um, I, I think you're a reluctant memoirist. But I, I want to tell you thank you because your memoirs are exciting to read. To me, you're one of the great modern songwriters of this and any other generation, whether you're singing with other voices or just your own. The great writer Linda Berry. She calls it autobiographical fiction, and uh, she's right for sure. Well, then you're an autobiographer, and I'm gonna add that. I'm gonna add that to <laughs> your I'm business. A you're, you're a liar. You're a professional liar. How's that? I'm no. just a freaking liar. Yeah. Best of luck and all the health to you and happiness and balance and vibration. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for being with us, Nico. Indeed. Nice to talk to you again. Okay. Take care. Be well. Ciao. You too. Bye. Bye. I'm out all of those crude harmony relationship metaphors i was thinking you know the worst relationships make the best vocal harmonies in the sense of harmony you know i don't know when where one voice ends and the next one begins and that to me always sounded like a nice idea for a real relationship but it's not it's what we call codependency the other thing i wanted to point out before we say goodbye 
here on Murmur is that great speech, the third man that Wells apparently wrote for himself on the spot, on the set, on the day, as they say. Just to correct the record, and it's actually a record he corrected as well. The cuckoo clock was not invented by the Swiss. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the cuckoo clock was uh, invented in the Black Forest region of Europe, which is Germany. Sorry, Swiss. It was acknowledged to Wells when the movie opened, the Swiss themselves. He said, you know, many Swiss natives would approach him and say, we didn't invent the cuckoo clock. It was the Germans in the 18th century who invented it. Look, history lessons aside, fact or fiction aside, see the third man. Duh. Movies are both fact and fiction. That's why we love them. Filmmakers are more fiction than fact. That's why we love them. Don't go to the movies to get the news or, or history. Please promise me. We good? We good? You sure? Cool. I want to thank Nico Case for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur, but truly you could be with us all the time on Murmur, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Go to the website murmurradio.com, download the show, subscribe to the show, review the show, follow me on social media at msfmurmur. Uh, email me, murmurradio at gmail.com. If you have a topic you'd like me to tackle on the show, I'll invite a guest. I'll match the guest to the topic. Bring it on. We'll sort through all the uh, Harry Limes together. So long, Holly. <laughs>